Hey there, and welcome back into the podcast. My name is Carrie, and I'm the co-founder and owner of A Natural Shift, along with my sister, Julie. We believe in a holistic approach to health and caring for the one body God gave us through real foods, daily movement, and natural tools like essential oils. We started this podcast because we believe it's those daily habits that lead to real progress and lasting change. Here's what you can expect from us. Each week on Wednesday, we'll bring you a topic, a concept, or an inspiring interview. Some weeks, we'll share a Monday mini episode, all with the intention of helping you take the upgrade to become the best version of yourself. I have a great interview for you today, but before we get into that and I tell you a little bit more about our guest, I want to make sure you guys are aware of a program that we're getting ready to fire back up, which is called the 30-Day Reset. Let me tell you a little bit about this program and what it entails. So we first started this about a year and a half or two years ago, and it was where we guided others through the doTERRA 30-Day Cleanse and Restore program. And it was an amazing time of cleansing and it's very deep cellular cleanse, amazing to go through, but there's no dietary requirements necessarily associated with that. You know, we value what we put in our bodies as far as eating goes. So it, w- it only made sense for us to add on an optional round of the whole 30 to that cleanse. So now we've kind of designed it that you choose your level you want to play at. So you option one would be just to do the doTERRA cleanse and restore. Option two would be just to do the whole 30 or option three is to do both of them. So that's a little bit about the 30 day reset. You can definitely head on over to our website and click on shop and then programs. And it's going to tell you a little bit more about the 30 day reset, but it's going to kick off October 1st. So if you have any questions at all, you can definitely find us on social media. You can email us at info at a visit our website, Connect with us however is best for you, but please don't hesitate to ask us any questions that you have, and we hope that you join us. So now, a little bit more about today's guest. So I am interviewing Mindy Spradlin today. She's a Blue Diamond Wellness Advocate with doTERRA. She's also the owner of the largest upscale children's consignment sale in the entire Southeast, and she's a certified ketogenic coach. And that's mainly what she'll be discussing today. Mindy also has struggled with her weight most of her life. And so her ketogenic journey is really one that she has learned to address her weight issue from a place of love and not hate. And that has really helped her to stay motivated. And so she's going to share a little bit more with us about her journey with weight, her journey with um, finding a diet that works for her. And it's really not a diet, it's more of a lifestyle. And so she tells us about that. Just an interesting topic as we hear more about keto diets. And I really love the way Mindy approaches um, this way of, of living as more of a lifestyle and less of a diet. And it's really all about consuming whole foods and really coming from a place of love for your body versus starving your body. So she talks a lot about that. I really think you're going to enjoy the interview. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome, Mindy, to the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on. I am really, really looking forward to hearing more about your journey with this new uh, type of lifestyle that you're living and the amazing results that you've been seeing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and just kind of your journey up until now as it pertains to that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I love what you're doing and love the information you're sharing and just super honored thank you. to be on today. So 
Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So gosh, about my journey. Um, well, I am married currently. I've been married for almost 17 years. I have four kids ranging in age from age six to 15. So Gosh, your youngest is six. It seems like he was just a baby. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I know. And I'm teaching my oldest to drive right now, which yeah. is not for the faint of heart, by the way. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's my life currently. I mean, I got married really young. I did not graduate college. Mm-hmm. Um, I got pregnant three months after I was married, you know, just started having babies and It's been, I've had a lot of rough years in my life and I feel like I'm at a place right now, really, I would say recently, just within the past couple years of, um, getting to a place where I feel like I'm more thriving versus just surviving. And so it's really exciting to be there and, uh, just to learn. I feel like I've learned a lot, mostly through failure and through, you know, mistakes and different things, but great opportunities for growth that have been able to get me to the place that I am now. But It certainly has been an interesting several years, I would say. Well, that's a blessing though. You know, I just feel like God uses everything for good. So yeah, totally. I'm a big fan of claiming redemption all the time, but in terms of to, you know, sort of answer your question regarding like my lifestyle and Mm -hmm. um, my ketogenic journey. So I, I would say that probably for most of my life, I have, um, had a weight quote unquote issue, um, not in. I haven't thought very healthily about my body. I struggled um, through my middle school and high school years with really treating my body well and probably under eating, you know, and that obviously comes with ramifications and then moving into my adult life and going through so much transition and then, you know, putting on a lot of weight and having just these negative messages in my mind regarding, um, what my body should be like and what that, uh, means for how I interact with the world around me. And I've really just had a struggle from emotional eating, overeating, um, to restricting. And I've tried probably every quote unquote diet in the book over the years and just really haven't found anything that seemed to work with my body as a long style, a long, uh, lifestyle. Um, because it's just, I honestly, I've been doing it for the wrong reasons. I've been doing it out of a, a hatred for my body versus coming from a place of love. And I love, and I really, uh, respect the current body that I have, no matter what its shape or its size. And I really had to come to that place first before I could attempt to make an external transformation. So that's just sort of a little bit of my life in a nutshell. That's an important point though, because, you know, I was actually just thinking about that this morning as I, I was, I was working out and just how it, it really, if you change your mindset on what you're doing and really just do it to feel better and to, you know, think clear and to just be a healthier version and better version of yourself versus, you know, I ate something and now I'm going to go come on stuff in the gym or, you know, I want to look a certain way, which we don't want to look good for sure. But it it comes from a different place. And so that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of women do struggle a lot with that. Yeah. I think it's so common in our society. I mean, obviously people know just media portrays a certain way that we should be. But one thing I've experienced in my own life, and I really feel like the more and more women that I talk to can identify with this is when we, when we come from a place of hatred it's virtually impossible to make lasting change because our motivation is all 
wrong. It's, it's all based on unhealthy motives. And only when we come from a place of love do we actually make those transformations that we long to make. But it's kind of contrary. It's kind of backwards. We think, oh, once I get to this you know, size or whatever, then I'm going to feel great about my body. And it's really the other way around. You have to feel confident. It doesn't mean that you love everything about yeah. yourself necessarily. I think that's unrealistic. But you have to come from a place of genuine um, desire to treat your body well um, and to feel good. It's more to me about the feeling that I want as an outcome versus just an external picture. Definitely. And how do you feel or what, or what do you feel has been the greatest maybe upgrade that you take in to get to that place? Can you think of what, any you know, a couple things? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it started, um, with recognizing and identifying that I didn't want to stay where I was. And so to me, taking the upgrade in that sense meant if I was going to upgrade my physical health, whether that be externally, internally, whatever, then I had to identify what I was settling for and what my mind patterns were to begin with, sort of those loops that we get in. Um, I have a great therapist that has really helped me with a plethora of things and sort of just talking with her and recognizing where I get stuck has been really helpful. So I think one of the main upgrades, so to speak, that I've taken is seeking out, talking to somebody who's qualified and who can help me identify um, unhealthy beliefs and patterns that I can't necessarily identify myself. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big deal. Um, and then I would say just m- m- taking the upgrade of looking at food as a, a source of fuel, as a source of nourishment um, versus something that is sort of my enemy, um, has, has been really helpful. Definitely. You know, I was just talking to my husband last night. We're both in the whole 30 right now and yeah. just about, you know, the things that come up and just, just little things like he went to the movies the other night with the kids and he was like, it was pure torture. And <laughs> you know, I was just trying to talk to him, you know, about it. And I'm like, it's probably that you're just thinking like whenever I'm out and about and it's almost like a scarcity around food, like, I don't go to the movies that much, so I have to get popcorn or a Coke or whatever it might be. It's just so interesting how when we really dig in and look in, in more of uh, behind the scenes, like why do we feel this way and why are, are you know, we having these thoughts, it can really shed a lot of light. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying is you um, just talking to someone else or whether it's a counselor, whether it's a friend that's really great at kind of helping you process through things, just talking it out and not being stuck in your thoughts all the time. Yeah, I think it's really important just to kind of have a sounding board because yeah. sometimes the things we tell ourselves are utterly ridiculous. And really somebody else and they're like, do you hear what you're saying? And so yeah. it's just good to have somebody who can be honest, you know, and, and ask us those tough questions. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I really would love to know a little bit more specifically about your ketogenic journey and just um, how you have found such uh, success in it, how you found it in the first place, you know, how were you introduced to it and what's been your experience so far? Yeah, sure. So I started the ketogenic lifestyle last April. So that would have been near the very end of April, 2018. And I was actually coming off of ankle surgery. I had ankle surgery in February. Mm -hmm. I had been, um, you know, hobbling around on this little scooter thing for probably six weeks, mostly sitting on the couch. And I could just feel 
that my body was not happy. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to work out for probably a considerable amount of time. And I just felt blah, honestly. And I knew I needed to make a transformation, but I knew at this point I had really done work over the past year of recognizing um, what my personal challenges were in regards to sort of creating the, the healthy lifestyle that I wanted. And so I knew, okay, I'm not just going to jump in to some, you know, 30 day program or whatever, cause that, that doesn't work for me. Looking at things short term, I always rebound at the end. And so I had to really ask myself, what is something that I'm willing to commit to that I'm willing to say, you know, this is a lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. I had to really think about something that was going to be a long-term lifestyle for me. And I had heard about the keto diet. Most of what I had heard um, wasn't that great, honestly. And so I'm a researcher by nature. And so I just started, I, like I said, I couldn't work out. I was very limited in my mobility at the time. And so I just sort of began putting that time to good use and started researching, learning everything I could about the ketogenic diet, what was good about it, what was not good about it, what were people saying, positive, negative, Mm -hmm. everything. And I really felt like, um, given my personal issues, that it would be something that would potentially be a fit for me. So in true fashion of how I generally do things, I just jump in completely. So what I learned was that, you know, that a a keto diet, so to speak, and I hate to even use the word diet because I think that has so many negative connotations, but the truth is everybody has a diet. I don't care who you are. You have a diet. A diet is simply the food that you eat. But as I looked into this, I found, okay, you have to eat um, a high amount of uh, fat, you have to eat a pretty decent amount of protein, and then a very low amount of carbohydrates. And what happens when you do that is you actually change, physiologically change the way that your body functions. And I knew I was going to go through this transition period, and it might be difficult and all this kind of stuff, because my body was so used to functioning and um, powering off of glucose. I had to literally change the way my cells worked um, to get my body into ketosis. And so that took a good couple weeks and I used Pinterest for recipes. I had an app that I used to sort of track my food at the beginning. And what I found was once my body went into ketosis and after I got through probably the initial month, it was like the fog lifted. It was really bizarre actually. I just realized how clear my thinking was, how honestly I had less pain in my body. Um, I mean, I was coming off this ankle surgery and just had some overcompensation pain from dealing with that. And my pain started to subside and my body just literally felt different. I had more energy. And the thing that I noticed probably above anything was that the cravings that I had had previously, and I am a sugar person. I'm, I'm really a carb addict. Um, and I, you know, even if I'm eating healthy sugars, so to speak, I'm still craving the sweet. I'm still craving, um, the chips, you know, even if they're non GMO organic corn chips, I'm still craving that type of stuff. That's just my normal. And I, I found after doing this for like a month, my cravings basically disappeared. It was the weirdest thing. And honestly, nothing like I had experienced when I had done other programs, it was all willpower. It was all, I've got to power through. I've got to do it. You know, don't give in whatever. And it was like that all just vanished and it became just a way of life and sort of, and I honestly did not, I didn't even have a scale for probably the first four months Mm -hmm. in my house because I really had to tell myself, 
I'm doing this so that I can feel better, so I can be comfortable in my skin, not chasing after a number. So I knew that meant removing a scale and not even living by that at all. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my first couple months. And then when I finally did get a scale, I realized, oh my gosh, my weight has started going down and just kind of kept going from that, you know, and over, over the past several months, you know, there's been times where I've popped off of, you know, the keto diet for a little while. We went, my family went to Disney and I just made the intentional choice. Like I'm not going to worry about it. And when I got back, I was able to jump back on and I'm really looking at this as a long-term life thing versus a short-term goal. And it just fundamentally changes how you think about it when you do that. Yeah, I agree. And I love that you said, because I think a lot of people, even if they were able to save something, they're always kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. Like you went to Disney and are you going to be able to eat whatever you want and then go back to it? I really feel like people just, they have a lot of fear around that. And the fact that you can, you can have indulgences. It's not like you're going to deprive yourself forever and you're never going to eat a certain food. You know, I mean, there, there are places times for that, but yet you're going to get back on because that's your norm. You know, it's not the norm to go to Disneyland and and eat kind of, you know, indulgent things. You're going to get back on your norm. So I, I really love that you said that because I think that's a lot of times why people just resign to, well, I can't do it forever, you know, and so I'm just not going to do it at all. Totally. I think that's why I've had such a hard time in the past is because I had this mentality of all or nothing. And so if I, you know, quote unquote, screwed up or cheated, and I hate those terms because I think they do nothing but shame us, which is so counterproductive when you're trying to take care of your body, you have to love and accept your body. And if you're shaming yourself, it's just not sustainable. So I hate to use, you know, those kind of terms that are thrown around in the you know weight loss world. But if this is my life, if I'm truly going to live like this, if I'm truly going to eat low carbohydrates for my life because that works best for me, Mm -hmm. then I have to be okay with every now and then making a different choice. And the the sort of agreement that I've made with myself is anytime I want to eat something that I know isn't going to make me feel good or is going to knock my, you know, body back a couple notches, I have to do it as an intentional choice. I'm not going to do it haphazardly. I'm not going to just let it happen by default. But if I'm at a birthday party and there's a cake and I want to have some cake, I'm going to ask myself, is this a choice that I want to make? Is this an intentional choice that I want to make? And then I make it or I don't make it. But if I just go and, oh, there's cake. And well, every time there's cake, I'm going to eat cake because that's what you do. That's not going to work well. Um, But if I want to eat cake, fine, I can eat cake. That's no big deal. And then I can, you know, make different choices as soon as I get back home, but it has to be intentional. And one thing that I think I've really learned is I make intentional choices in other parts of my life, right? I make intentional choices to what commitments I say yes to, to the people I hang out with, to the people I work with, different things like that. So how is it any different? I don't let the rest of my life just happen by default. Why would I let, you know, taking care of my most precious asset, which is my body, why would I let those choices happen by default? I'm not going to do that, but it does take practice to sort of get in the habit of that. Definitely. You know, and not even a little bit more than practice to me, it takes doing what you said you were going to do. And that builds trust with yourself because that's why, you know, just speaking about what I did earlier is that I feel like people don't trust themselves. So they're like, well, I can't go have this because then it's going to be like an every time thing. And then I'm just going to fall off the wagon and 
So basically there's no trust there, but that is how you build trust with yourself. It's not about willpower. It's not about, you know, some people have more than others. It really is about doing what you said you're going to do and being intentional. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. So what are some of the things you do every day? Because those things are really what make the difference. So I know you had to change a few of your daily non-negotiables. So what, what are those? Okay. So daily non-negotiables. Well, I think one of the, I would say most important things I've done is to plan. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. an on and off planner. I get in spurts of it, but one thing I realized, um, if I am going to eat in a specific way that treats my body well, then I have to plan for that. So that means I have to do things that I don't like to do like meal plan. I used to absolutely fly by the seat of my pants. It would be like four 30 uh-huh. okay, what are we going to have for dinner? What am I going to feed these children? You know, and I've realized that does not work when you're trying to yes. eat on the keto diet. You can't because you have to have certain foods prepared and ready. And I am not a hundred percent perfect in that by any means, but I have absolutely had to add in weekly meal planning. Um, and, really and just grocery- more simple in my opinion, because you don't have to think about it. Like if you just take a little bit of time, you know, let's say Sunday, Sunday afternoon, you plan out your week, then it really does just take that out of your headspace. It it really does. It's one of those things that I so dread, but I'm never like regretful that I did it. It's always helpful and it's always well worth it. Um, And I've had to plan my grocery shopping. That sounds so simple and obvious. I actually use the Instacart app which is incredibly helpful. It also helps me not go into the grocery store and impulse shop and things like that. But I would say to be successful in the ketogenic um, diet, most importantly, above all else, I've had to plan. Um, I would say another thing that I've had to do, um, well, especially during probably those first couple months, I don't have to do it necessarily as much now, although I probably should, but it was super vital during those first um, couple months is making sure that I have time to really just put in <clears throat> self-care. You know, it's it's stressful when you make a huge lifestyle change and your body's going through transition. And if you're not taking care of yourself, then that's not going to work out so well. And so I would make sure, obviously, I'm applying my essential oils, using them even more than normal to help reduce my cortisol levels, <clears throat> to help reduce my stress. And I have also had to become religious about my sleep. One thing I've really learned in regards to not even just the ketogenic diet, but just overall um, weight management and body balance and things like that is the importance of sleep. And so my husband makes fun of me sometimes, but I've had to really work it into my routine to do my very best to get in bed by 930 every night. Again, that doesn't happen all the time, but that's my goal. That's what I'm shooting for. And that means that I have to structure my day to make sure that happens. I can't, you know, hold work until the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try not to schedule things that go late into the evening um, to protect that time. But I would say sleeping and planning have been probably the most important things that I've just really focused on and implemented. Yeah, um, I would have to agree with that, both of those things. I'm curious, how many hours of sleep do you feel that you are good for you? I know it's kind of maybe a little bit different for everybody, but just curious. Yeah, well... I love to sleep. (laughs) Um, I can function on low sleep, but I am not at my best. So I would say um, I probably need a good eight hours. I would say, okay, Um, if you know, if possible, that's what I that's what I shoot for. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get there, 
sometimes they don't. Um, if right. I can get more than that, all the better. But I mean, I think just knowing that that's important because a lot of people are like, I'm a nun owl and I can't get to sleep early. But the thing is, you have to be intentional about why you're doing it. It's not just because you're giving yourself, uh, you know, a curfew, <laughs> but um, it's because right. you feel better and it's important to get good sleep. So I think it's just yeah. changing your mindset on that for sure. Totally. I used to be a night owl and I honestly had to retrain myself mm -hmm. um, to change that pattern. But I used to stay up. I mean, I my doTERRA business that I've built, which is what I primarily do, I built that by staying up till midnight. Yeah. <laughs> I would work after my kids were in bed, but there came a point where I said, okay, this isn't going to work for the long haul. So it's time to make a transition. And it was a process. Definitely. But you know, that's the thing. You kind of have to do one thing at a time and see what the next step is for you instead of trying to do everything at once. <laughs> because there's a season, I think, for different yeah. things. Right? Absolutely. Getting up early, for sure. Um, well, this has been really enlightening. I would, I want to ask you some um, bonus questions before we hop off, but I do want um, you to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and also how they can, um, or excuse me, what's a good resource for things that, you know, what does a keto diet look like as far as, you know, what things can you eat? Maybe what things should you stay away from? Yeah. Um, okay, so where can people find me? Well, I'm actually building a website right now. It'll be mindyspradlin.com. Hopefully by the time maybe this airs, I don't know, it will yeah. be up. But I'll eventually um, have a lot of information there um, about the keto diet, um, about oils. I'm even getting ready to record a video about what oils you can use while doing the keto diet because I think actually you can really amplify your success with the ketogenic diet by incorporating essential oils as well. So anyway, mindyspradlin.com is where they can find that information. I'm ultimately going to be doing some coaching groups um, for keto as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, so current resources for people. So I really like, um, there's several people I like. Craig and Maria Emmerich um, are really great. E-M-M-E-R-I-C-H, I think is how you spell their last name. They actually have a book that's just simply called Keto. And it's one of the best books that I have found. They have a good balance of science and practical. I like to know the science behind things, especially if I'm dealing with my body and long-term health. I want to know what's actually happening. And so I really appreciated that they brought in some good, solid scientific information in their book, but it's not too heady. I think, you know, just a general person could find it helpful, but that's a great place to start. Um, there are other people like Dr. Ken Berry has great information. I would recommend him. Um, Dr. Axe has good information. There's just all kinds of stuff really out there. I would caution people to stay away from people who are advocating things like very low protein, kind of in the keto world, there's a couple different schools of thought. Um, and I think people can get hung up a little bit, but if you're, if you're listening to somebody or you're learning from somebody and they're telling you just eat just absolutely astronomical amounts of fat and your protein doesn't matter. Um, I would caution people to maybe find somebody else to listen to because that's, yeah. that's not the greatest advice for the long term. Um, but as far as what you can eat and what you can't eat, the truth is keto, which stands for obviously ketosis, is a state that your body in. It's not a set list of foods. So officially, there's no list that you can or cannot have. So everybody's body is different. 
Um, in general, people will recommend that you stay away from any and all sugar types. So this means even natural sugars like honey and maple syrup and coconut sugar and things like that because um, they will raise your insulin. You can have things that generally um, are sugar, natural sugar substitutes like stevia, monk fruit, urethritol, things like that. So I can actually make a lot of sweet treats using those types of sugars that won't um, raise my insulin level and they don't count as carbohydrates. Um, you're going to stay away generally from all grains and starchy vegetables. So that means wheat, oats, potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, I mean, corn, just anything that you think of is either a grain mm -hmm. or a starchy vegetable. You're going to just ditch those out of the way and you're going to have non-starchy vegetables, like basically anything green. Um, you're generally not going to consume much fruit on the ketogenic diet. You can have berries in moderation, which thankfully uh, berries are very high in micronutrients yes. as well. Um, you can have all sorts of different meats. Some people will do dairy. Some people will not. That's really a personal preference, dairy would technically keep you in a ketogenic state, but you just have to know how your body in general responds to dairy. I don't have an issue with dairy, so I consume it in moderate amounts, but other people that I know or have worked with, mm -hmm. um, their body just doesn't do well, so they eliminate all dairy. But you're really sticking to whole foods of good meats, good vegetables, um, nuts, lots of nuts I consume. Um, just things like that, good healthy fats, um, you know, grass-fed butter, even we save our bacon grease when we make bacon and we cook with that. Um, contrary to what the world tells us, bacon is actually, uh, bacon grease is actually a good healthy fat to cook, cook with. Mm -hmm. And so those are kind of generally the foods that you're going to consume. Are there processed foods that you can consume that will, again, technically keep you in a ketogenic state? Absolutely. But this is where you have to look at what your ultimate health goal is and is my goal just to lose weight and I don't really care what I'm doing to my body in the process. Well, to me, that's really short-sighted, but people do that. You will absolutely lose weight on the ketogenic diet if you eat crap foods that have low carbohydrates. But to me, that is, that's again, coming from a place of hatred because you're not interested in really treating your body well. So I'm going to go obviously much more and recommend the whole food route for people to consume. That's so true. I, I think that um, that was a really good synopsis. Thank you. That helps me a lot, personally, because, you know, you hear these things, and it, and it really is, like you said, it's people kind of stay within those bounds, but just on the, the bad end of it, you know, in, in, in any sort of, you know, type of eating um, diet, if you will, I guess, it's, there's always going to be the, the in the in the bounds, but yet their toes in kind of thing. Right. And I'm glad that you said that, because I think that that really does go for any anything it can get a bad rap because somebody you saw was eating you know uh, right. that are questionable but if you do it the right way it can be sustainable yeah and there really is so much research if you actually you know dive into it if you can kind of get in that research mode for a short time you'll find there is so much research not just for weight loss but for neurological benefits there's so much yeah. for your memory for your focus just for long-term brain health Alzheimer's dementia, if you're prone to any of those things, Parkinson's, which we have some of that in our family history, um, the keto diet is really going to be potentially beneficial. And in general, what you're going for is keeping your carbohydrate count under 20 grams. If you keep your carbohydrates under 20 grams a day, um, you're pretty much going to put your body into ketosis okay. no matter what. But one side note for anybody who's thinking about trying this, 
when your body transitions from being a glucose burner to a fat burner, it is flushing out the vast majority of water that is in your body because it doesn't need to hold that anymore. And it's easy to get dehydrated. The most common mistake that people make when they um, are starting a ketogenic diet is they're not drinking enough water and they're not replenishing their electrolytes. So especially during those first couple months, it's really important to incorporate an electrolyte supplement because again, your body's fundamentally um, changing the way that it fuels. And as it rids itself of that water that it normally holds onto, you have to make sure that you're um, really replenishing that intentionally. So there's some great electrolyte supplements that I would, you know, just recommend that people use kind of during that transition time period. Sure. That, that's very helpful because the thing is, if people don't know that, then they're, they're going to get on the bad side of that and think, oh, this is not good right. for me to quit, you know? Yep. Totally. So, perfect. Thank you. That was great, great um, information. So I want to just do a quick little one minute total bonus question speed round, if you're good with okay. that. Um, sure. I'm always curious about these questions, um, just, just to be kind of take a peek into your life. So let me set my timer. And here we go. What book are you reading? Well, I actually just bought the book, The Next Right Thing, which I have not started. So I'm currently not reading anything. I'm in between, but I'm getting ready to start The Next Right Thing. And I'm super excited about that. Um, What can you not live without right now? Um, Okay. What I could not live without is Lily's brand of chocolate. Um, If you have not tried that, go get it. It is amazing. Yes. I love it. What do you wish people knew about you? Oh, goodness. Okay, I would say I wish people knew that I am actually an introvert. Um, People assume a lot of times I'm an extrovert because I can really turn it on when I need to, but I need to recharge alone. So I think I would love for more people to know that. That's right. Okay, I'm going to skip one question, go to the last one because we're almost out of time. Favorite healthy snack and favorite indulgence? Oh, gosh, I probably have to go back to the Lily's you know, chocolate, but I feel like that's a healthy snack and an indulgence. (laughs) Um, I actually made the other day, I made some keto snickerdoodles, which was the first time that I had ever made those. Um, You can find the uh, recipe on Pinterest. And that was probably the best cookie that I have made. And honestly, it was healthy and an indulgence also. So I would kind of put that in both categories. Love it. Thank you. That I just, I love to see what people are doing on their everyday life and, and what, what, um, just a little more about them than you can see on the surface. So thank you for answering those. Um, lastly, now you told people, um, about your upcoming website and uh, a few resources for, um, this type of lifestyle. How can everybody find you on social media? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram in two places. My personal Instagram is Mindy Hyatt Spradlin. And my keto Instagram is the real keto life. So you can find me in both of those places on Facebook. Um, you can find my sort of business public page at Mindy Spradlin entrepreneur mom life. Um, and of course you can follow my just regular Facebook as well. Mindy Hyatt Spradlin there. Thank you so much, Mindy. I really appreciate your time. I know it's, you're just, you're just a busy mama and um, just appreciate you taking the time today. Well, sure. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Thank you for spending time with us today. For free resources and materials, head over to anaturalshift.com and make sure to follow us on social media. You'll find those links in the show notes. It would mean so much to us if you would leave a review and tell us what you'd like to hear more of. 
Share this episode with someone that you know would love it. This is how we can get our message out to more people. And until next time, don't forget to take the upgrade in some small way today.